You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome into Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful sunshine state of Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to today's episode of the podcast. I am always so incredibly thankful and grateful whenever I consider the loyal listener base that we have. So thanks for tuning in. This is episode 132, and we're going to be uh, diving into a, a really great interview I had the chance to do with a dear, dear friend of mine, and we're going to be talking about a topic that is extremely important. We're going to be talking about Uh, the trustworthiness of the Bible and whether or not the Bible ought to be the authority in our lives. This is an incredibly important topic. In fact, as I actually, as I was kind of thinking about this, uh, this episode, I was really, really kind of realizing I probably should have done this topic or at least dove into this topic a little more earlier in the podcast. I feel like maybe I've done a little bit of a disservice to our listeners, so I apologize for that. Um, But nonetheless, diving into that that topic in this episode, and we'll do several episodes certainly in the future, more and more about the Bible and and how do we know it, it is trustworthy and why we know it ought to be the authority in our lives. So excited to bring this interview to you. Uh, Before we dive into the interview, I just want to give you a quick reminder about the importance of being subscribed to the podcast. I know that many of you listening to this are indeed already subscribed, so big thank you to you. Uh, For those of you that are not subscribed, uh, maybe you just discovered the podcast, maybe you just stumbled across it on social media, maybe you saw it on Facebook or Twitter, maybe you're even streaming this, you're still in the Facebook or Twitter app because you saw it on social media, maybe you're even streaming, streaming this from our website. Uh, regardless of how you're listening, if you're not subscribed, I want to encourage you to head on over to whatever podcast catching app that you're familiar with, whether that's iTunes, uh, any of the Android apps, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, whatever, head on over, hit that subscribe button. It's really important. It does two things. One, it helps push us up the search rankings uh, in iTunes and some of the other directories. And and secondly, it helps you out because whenever you're subscribed, it guarantees you never miss an episode. Every episode gets delivered directly to your device. So head on over to whatever app, hit that subscribe button, or you can just go to our website and you'll see the buttons there uh, that will show you how to subscribe. The website is theologyfortherestofus.com. All right, let's get to the content uh, for today's episode, doing an interview with a dear, dear friend of mine. His name is Kenneth Ferreira. He is uh, a part of the staff team at a great Christian college in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, He teaches there, does a variety of things. Uh, The the college actually has several departments. In addition to the school, they actually have a gap year program and a short-term missions department. So some really great ministry going on there. You will hear more about that in the interview. And, uh, and my boy Ken is is directly involved in the Gap Year program, so he'll chat about that. Uh, we're going to talk quite a bit about the importance of, of having the Bible be the authority in your life and how you know you can trust the Scripture. Uh, Kenneth has a Master's of Divinity from Regent University, so he is well-studied um, in, the, in the arena of not only studying theology, but also studying the Scriptures and the reliability of the Scriptures. And he's a great dude. I've known this guy for many, many years. I know his character, um, and you're gonna, you guys are going to have a lot of fun listening to this. So without further ado, my interview with Kenneth Ferreira. We are on the line with Ken Ferreira from Minneapolis, Minnesota, the beautiful metropolis that is Minneapolis. Ken, thanks for joining us, bro. How you feeling, man? 
Oh man, I'm doing great. I just got out of the classroom teaching, so I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I'm excited right now. And uh, I love the Theology for the Rest of Us podcast, so I'm glad to just be on, on the show today. Man, I am stoked. As I mentioned in the pre in the intro, uh, Ken and I have known each other for, I guess it's been like 10 years, maybe nine years, something like that, right? Close. I mean, 2007. So yeah, nine years. Yeah, so it, it's a, coming up on nine years that we've known each other, and I uh, got a chance to work with, with, with one another together at a at a Christian nonprofit in Texas and had a lot of fun and so excited, man. Uh, hey, before we dive into the topic, just give us a, give us a 30 second overview on, on what you do. I mentioned it, but just want to get the audience, give an opportunity to hear what you do and why you do it. Yeah. So, uh, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota and I partner with Bethany global university and we do a gap year program called the lead internship. It's a four month leadership and discipleship program specifically designed for people to get deep into the word of God, have a hardcore relationship to grow in the relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, to learn how to maximize their influence. Cause I truly believe that everyone's called to be an influencer. Everyone's going to influence someone sooner or later. So how are you going to leverage that influence? And then at the end of the day too is, uh, you know, a lot of people I remember when we were young, just trying to figure out our calling. So a big portion of the lead internship is trying to figure out what is God's call in your life. And I try to demystify a lot of God's calling because I think that there's been uh, too much hyper spiritualization that comes to the God's calling in your life. So I try to unravel all those and give people purpose in life. And, and kind of like John Piper says, don't waste, waste your life kind of thing. So it's a thing that I love to do. And, and that's the main reason why I do it, man. Uh, the gap year program i am just so tired of seeing young men and women just chilling around not doing anything and more paralyzed by fear not because they just have nothing to do really at the end of the day it's just fear in their life and i want to see them walk out of that fear and walk into the calling that god has for them and that's why we've designed the lead internship program dude that's incredible and it's just one semester right yeah Pretty just one semester one college semester so four months to literally change the trajectory of your life both both you and I are graduates of gap year programs and so obviously both of us would would be big proponents of that so if anyone's interested in that check out the website we'll make sure I have all the info here at the end of the podcast so Ken let's dive in man uh, we've got a list of topics that we want to be covering uh, together over the next you know over over the course of a few episodes I'm excited um, as the as our audience already knows man you have a, a wealth of knowledge and and credentials and so excited to ask you some questions. The, the, the question I want to tackle with you today is, uh, should the Bible be the authority in our lives? And if, if yes, then why? And how, how do we know we can trust the Bible? How do we know that it ought to be the authority in our life? Yeah, Kenny, I'm glad you asked that, especially in this day and age where the Bible is under attack now more than ever. You know, we, people are trying to just pick and choose certain things from the Bible, or they're trying to reinterpret it despite the 2,000 years of church history. Uh, so when it comes to this question, I truly believe, and I think that church history backs me up, that yes, it is uh, the ultimate authority in our lives, and not just our lives as believers, but in everyone's lives, in unbelievers and believers. It should be the ultimate authority. And here's why. Uh, there's a lot of different angles that we could take this, but the first and most important angle that I think we should take is realizing that Jesus authenticated the scriptures. Now, the reason why I bring up Jesus, and I know some people might not believe in Jesus, but uh, the fact that Jesus, the guy who rose from the dead, 
says, hey, the scriptures are true, I'm going to believe the guy who rises from the dead. That's right. Now, I know you've done a whole bunch of podcasts on Jesus rising from the dead, and is it true or not? So from my biblical worldview, I, I truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and there are historical facts to back that up. Uh, so because of that, I, I truly am inclined to realize that if Jesus says that this should be the ultimate authority for us, then we should absolutely do that. You know, I, I think that's a great point. And I think people ask sometimes, like, yeah, how do we know certain books we can trust? Like, yeah, I, I think you're right. The resurrection is the linchpin. Uh, and there are all different other evidences and thoughts. Um, but ultimately, if Jesus rose from the dead, then that's kind of game over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's crazy because even when Jesus during his lifetime was here, he would quote from the Old Testament quite extensively. He would he would talk about and not say he's over the Old Testament, but he was trying to show what the Old Testament was actually trying to reveal. He wasn't trying to abolish the Old Testament. He was trying to fulfill it. And, you know, one of the stories that I love to think about, especially depending on the demographics of um, the podcasters and just people I talk about, is uh, Luke 16, 29 to 31. You know, and this is a story of the rich young ruler and the death of Lazarus. And in that story, all of a sudden, Jesus is giving this parable about this uh, rich young ruler who goes to this place, Abraham's bosom. And I'm sure that's a whole nother podcast that we could get into. (laughs) Right, what that is, but it's depicting all of a sudden this 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 chasm of, you know, the rich young ruler on one side, and he's trying to call out to Abraham, right, and he's like, Abraham, please get me just a little bit, just an inch of water if you possibly can, and Abraham says this to him in Luke 16, 29, 31, it says, Abraham says this, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them, and he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So right now what's going on is is the rich young ruler all of a sudden is like, look, I don't want to be stuck in this chasm. I want to be with you, Abraham. Would you please find some way that some people can can tell people, other people, about God, about the right way to live? And uh, all of a sudden, Abraham is like, look, the Moses and the prophets, that's what they talk about. And he's like, no, there's got to be another way. And this is what Abraham says to the rich young ruler. It says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And the way I take that, and if you look at other commentaries, basically what they're trying to say, and or Jesus, what he's trying to say out of this parable is, look, you could do all the miracles you want. You could do all these great things. But what has more authority than miracles? It's the scriptures. It's the scriptures that have more authority. So this right here, the Bible, you know, should have more authority in our lives than anything else. You know, are miracles great? Absolutely. I love miracles. I, I, I wish I could see more miracles. But ultimately, this should be guiding our lives, not anything else. Oh, man, you just opened a door. You just opened a can there. <laughs> I did, bro. You know, there's you know a, me, bro. I like opening doors. <laughs> you, you know there's a whole segment of Christianity that, that, that may not fully agree with what you just said. But we, we, we'll go. That's a different topic for a different day. Yeah, well, um, Okay, so you're talking, and I think it's a really great point. I mean, the idea that, uh, man, this is and this is a great story. You know, this this chasm we see, and Abraham just saying like, "Dude," my paraphrase, of course, Abraham didn't actually say "dude," but uh, Abraham's like, "Dude," like they already have all you need. Like people today will say, well, "Where is God? Where are the miracles? Where where are the signs and wonders to prove or to substantiate?" And and I believe if Abraham was alive today. Uh, or any of the apostles, they'd look and say, the word of God is satisfactory. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, 
And that's where I think that Jesus is the one who authentic, authenticates the scriptures. And that's why I'm like, you know what, let's look at what Jesus says. You know, Jesus, like I said before, quotes all the scriptures. And, and the reality is that he quotes most of the scriptures because they point back to him, you know, that he is the Messiah and that he's the one who's come to save the world. But that's why we should also believe in it. Uh, another way that I also look at it is the reliability of the scriptures. Sometimes people are like, oh, and you mentioned it earlier, was all of a sudden some people can mess with it. Like, how do you know that no one's tampered with it? But the reality is that there's over 5,600 New Testament Greek manuscripts, okay, 5,600 New Testament manuscripts that are consistent with each other, and that consistency is about 99.5%. Wow. Like 5,600. You know, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, yeah. I, I think make people like make sure people grasp, like, because this is such a great point that I know, I think sometimes in our theology circles, we throw it around, like, we, I think, I know I do, I forget how, like, the magnitude of this, like, there are just give us like a 10 second version of like what is a manuscript in case anyone doesn't know what you're talking about yeah a manuscript back then um, most of it was written on parchments or, or scrolls or depending on on which segment you're in or culture you're in but it's written and and it scribes writing handwritten they didn't have google docs right they didn't have word documents and they were handwriting and they were very very tedious about how they did it Right in these manuscripts, and there's thousands of them now. Some of these uh, manuscripts we have either large portions of it or small portions of it of the specifically the New Testament, and a lot of more found in the Dead Sea uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, so that's a big part of it that that we have today, you know. And we compare all of them, and they all come from different locations, and they're all consistent. That's the crazy part. They're all consistent. It's not just one area and here and there, or is like a little bit that's consistent. Most of it's consistent, which is why I think that it's fascinating to, to me when people are like, I don't know if the scriptures are uh, reliable. I'm like, dude, you believe in all these other passages, all these other books of historicity that have far less consistency than the scriptures do. How could you not do that? You know, and we could go into the book of Luke, the book of Acts, and how historians, even secular historians, will look at the book of Luke and look and Acts to depict what were uh, the first century church looked like at that time because they know that it's historically accurate. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've looked at some other ones. Um, like, no one questions the existence of Alexander the Great, but there's, yeah. only, there's only like four manuscripts that ever mention him. Like, yeah. no one questions the existence of Julius Caesar and the historical accuracy of his narrative. And it's like, there's like 10 manuscripts to point to him. I mean, yeah. like, um, Homer's Iliad and Odyssey, there's like 185. I mean, there's like, and, and, oh, New Testament, oh, 5,600. I mean, it's just like overwhelming numbers. Um, yeah, and that's just, and check this out, that's just the Greek New, New Testament. Now, if you think about all the other languages that it got translated to at that time, it's over 24,000. And it still has the great consistency it does. And, and that's all over with the modern world. Like, it's all, all over Europe, Asia Minor, Northern Africa, all over the place. Yeah. yeah so, so, so we're, we're, we're as, as time goes on, archaeologists are finding manuscripts from different parts of the world. They're comparing them and finding out, oh, it matches. And so, so we actually, it hasn't changed over time. It hasn't gotten corrupted or tampered with. No, absolutely not. You know, it, it's actually been... Uh, proven more and more as the day goes by that it's a lot more reliable than anything else that we've ever had you know so those two things right there man i i you know jesus resurrection the historical 
uh, are the two things that I hit on, especially if I'm talking to unbeliever. I tend to talk about, you know, the reliability of the scriptures first, because sometimes they're like, well, how can I trust it? Well, that that's why I trust it. If I trust all these other things like Homer's Iliad, uh, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, like, why can I not trust this, you know, to be consistent? And again, 99.5%, that's, that's pretty darn close, you know? And if we're going to start start trying to debate the 0.5% and what that looks like, like, come on, really? We're going to, that's grasping at straws, right? you know? Um, but another, another thing that I think about, man, a lot when it comes to the uh, ultimate authority in our lives and why it should be it is quite frankly, um, and this is probably more from an existential uh, type uh, look at it, is it, Hebrews 4.12 says it best. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Mm. Like the, the reality is that when you dig into the scriptures, it pierces the heart. And it does two things to people most of the time. It either softens your heart to run to Jesus, or because you don't like the truth, it makes you run away from Jesus. It does one or the other. So when people read this, they're like, I don't want to accept this truth because if I have to accept this truth, then I have to change my life. And some people don't want to change their life. That's exactly they, it. They're doing, you know, but if you look at it, there's no problems with it. You know, and some people are like, man, it, the Bible is fear mongering. It, it's, it's trying to put people down in religiosity and, and weird traditions and stuff like that. Like, no, it's it's the best way God has designed for humankind to flourish. Right. You know, and that's why I love it, because when it says it pierces the heart, it's like, hey, how are you loving your neighbor? How are you loving those around you, especially those who, who you probably hate? How are you forgiving them? How are you treating them? You know, it tells you to do the opposite. Our culture, for example, if you hate someone, there's like, hey, just just backstab them. Do whatever right. you can to get past them. And he's like, no, Romans 12 says do good to them. Mm. Like that, that who says that? <laughs> you know, like. And you got to see that and you're like, oh my gosh, if this is true, I have to change the way I live. And the only way that we could ultimately change the way we live is by trusting in and putting our faith in Jesus Christ because he's the one who accomplished it. He's the one who's who's been able to fulfill it so that we can actually do what the word of God says to do. That's so good, man. So, so good. Um, so Ken, our, our time is, is winding down. If there's someone listening to this, uh, maybe they're a Christian or maybe they're, maybe they're not and they're inquiring. Any any recommendation you would give them? How do, how does a person say, or how does the Bible become an authority in my life? Like, what can they do to engage with the Scripture and it actually impact their lives? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, one of the things that I always tell people, especially if they have a hard time trying to figure it out, and this probably comes from a little bit of my testimony. When I was 16, I very much was like so tired of God. I was just like, God, I don't even know if you're real. There's just a lot of things. But I, I what I did, I said, you know what, God. If you are real, uh, we're going to take this one step at a time. And I was just open to seeing both sides of the fence. You know, like if the fact that God is real and God is not real. And I just said, all right, God, if you're real, I'm like praying to a God, you know, quote, unquote, if he's right. real. Uh, just give me the heart to see what the scriptures say is true. Mm. So what I tell people is just be open minded. I mean, if you're going to be open minded about a whole bunch of other things, why don't you be open minded to the scriptures? And just read the scriptures and and find someone who can help you understand what certain scriptures mean because a lot of it can sometimes be a little bit complicated 
right? Yeah. And, and you need someone there to help you. So I would say find someone that you can. And uh, I know people email you. I am more than happy for people to email me, text me, call me, you know, anything, uh, especially when you're struggling with trying to understand the, the truth of God, because I want people to know how awesome God is. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first thing that, that I tell people is, you know, just be open to it. Uh, the second thing that I do is I actually tell them, read it. Right. You know, it's so simple. It's so simple. And the reason why I say read it is because most of the time people get their stuff from other people, not when they actually read the Bible. Mm. Uh, they heard it from Richard Dawkins, you know, or they heard it from some other guy. And when it's like, no, how about you read the Bible for yourself and see what it says? Right. So uh, those are the two things that I say, you know, uh, be open to it, read it, and ultimately have someone that you can dialogue with it. That's some really, really good stuff. Uh, Ken, man, thanks so much for taking a few minutes out to invest in the audience. If people want to connect with you and follow all things, you know, uh, lead internship or you personally, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Uh, the best way is through my blog. It's uh, www.kenfreire. Now, as soon as I say my last name, everybody gets confused. Uh, the way you spell that is F-R-E-I-R-E. -E, so it's kenfreire.com. Or you can check me out on Facebook at Kenneth Freire, F-R-E-I-R-E, -E, and uh, just check me out there. And I'm sure those things will be on the notes for, for the podcast, and it will be a whole lot easier than trying to pronounce my last name. <laughs> That's right. Head over to TheologyForTheRestOfUs.com, find the show notes for this episode, and his info will be there. Brother, thank you so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate your time. No problem, man. Anytime. And there you have it, interview over. Super glad to get a chance to introduce you to one of my personal friends, someone I, who I trust, uh, not just his uh, his Bible knowledge and his theology study, but also his personal character. Uh, I think Ken has really kind of reminded of some really great things, the, the importance of remembering the resurrection and how Jesus authenticated the scriptures. Uh, side note, if you don't believe the resurrection, um, or if you haven't ever really thought about the resurrection, I want to encourage you to go check out some of our older episodes about the resurrection, episodes 46 through 52. I did kind of a mini-series about the resurrection and evidence for the fact that Jesus did, in fact, literally raise from the dead. Uh, about six out of seven episodes are all directly related to that. Again, that's episodes 46 through 52. Go back and check those out. I, I also love the fact that um, that Ken really reminded us of the fact of the the unbelievable plethora of New Testament manuscripts that we have. You know, when you compare the the Bible to any other work from antiquity and of any other book, uh, any other piece of literature of any kind, it it blows them all out of the water. The, the idea that, or people will sometimes say, well, the Bible's been changed over the course of time. It, it, are people who just don't know, with all due respect, they're just ignorant of truth. It's not true. We know for sure exactly what was written by the New Testament writers. And the New Testament writers were the ones that were, they were the eyewitnesses to Jesus raising from the dead. And so we can trust what they have to say. They were mentored by Jesus. They listened to what he had to say. They witnessed him raise from the dead. And they documented the truth um, of God, you know, it, clearly for us, and, and the church throughout history has preserved it so well for us so that we can have today a book that was given to us by God that gives us truth that we can trust and that we can base our lives upon that, that the, the biblical account, the, the evidence uh, for the Bible being trustworthy is overwhelming. The Bible ought to be the authority of your life. The Bible has earned the right to be the authority of in how you determine what is right 
and what is wrong. And the Bible is a supreme source that God has given us so that we can get to know him and his character better. What an incredible gift God has given us. I want to encourage you to read the Bible, study it, spend time getting into it. If you do that, it will greatly enrich your relationship with God. Hey, before I let you go, uh, one quick other item I want to mention. If you are a high school student or a young adult, even if you're already in college, I want to highly encourage you to consider doing a gap year program of some sort. And I would highly encourage the lead internship as being one you you ought to consider. I, I know Ken there. I know the team there. They are fantastic. If you want to grow in your faith, grow as a leader, maybe maybe you're considering doing ministry. Even if you're not, this, this could still be for you. Um, but I want to really encourage you to consider doing a gap year program. And so if you want more information about that, you can head over to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. Look at the show notes for this episode, and I'll have the link on there or a link to their website you can check out. Or you can go to directly to their website if you like. It's leadintern.com. Check that out. I promise you will not regret it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I am always thankful for all of our listeners. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to address on the podcast, or if you know someone that you think would make a great interview guest, either way, please feel free to shoot me an email. The best address is hey Ortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best place to do that is on Twitter. I love the tweet. I tweet a lot. Would love to connect with you there. Find me there. My handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.